morning and happy first day of May. Uh, we begin a brand new journey this month through prayer. We've been talking about this book, Extreme Prayer. And if you don't have a copy, I want you to have a copy. They are for sale at our cost in the foyer, just $9. If you don't have $9, go up and ask for a book. No one's going to say anything. We really want to see uh, the church be blessed by this excellent work by Greg Pruitt from Pioneer Bible Translators. Normally, we do blood pressure checks the first Sunday of every month. Due to an unforeseen circumstance, it's going to be the second Sunday of the month this month, which means next week. If you are a fan of our choir, and you should be a fan of our choir because they are awesome, they're going to be doing their end-of-the-year choir cantata during first service next week. So you can come at 8.15 for the choir cantata, go to Bible school at 9.30, and come here at 10.45 for second service. We are beginning um, our own church directory. We're doing a digital church directory. We invite you to submit pictures digitally via email or we invite you to let us take your picture. Russ Hicks was in my class today and took, uh, I think, 15 different pictures of couples or individuals, and we're going to have folks available beginning next Sunday um, following service. If you would like to get your picture taken, we'd love to have you do that. Discover FCC's two weeks from tonight. The 5K to raise 5K is the 21st. And three weeks from today during the Bible school hour at 930, you are invited to the ministry ordination service for Samuel Green. That's going to take place right here. And I would love to have you come out and encourage Samuel and Mackenzie on May 22. I have one more announcement that I'm not going to make. I'm going to ask Ken and Susan Klein to make their way to the podium. Uh, Ken is one of our elders, and Susan has done a lot of teaching lately in our church, and they're going to come and talk about an incredible opportunity that you have this summer at FCC. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I'm Susan Klein, and this is Ken, my husband, and along with Becky Glenn and Rachel Emery, we are leaders of the Spiritual Disciplines Retreats that you may have heard about. Becky and Rachel, if you're here, could you just stand briefly? We just want you to know who we are in case you have questions and you want to approach us and ask. Uh, We've been leading retreats for three years now, and we realize that not everyone can come to a retreat. So we were thinking of different venues that we might... uh, Need to do, and really felt the Lord was leading us to do a weekly group uh, during the Sunday school hour from 9:30 to 10:30. It's uh, the same curriculum that we use for the retreats, and it's based on the books by Ruth Haley Barton called Sacred Rhythms. There will be 12 sessions. We study six different disciplines um, during the retreat. We learn about a discipline, we discuss it, and then we have time to go out and practice it on our own. Um, In the weekly format, we'll learn about a discipline, we will discuss it, and then we'll have to take it home during the week and practice it and read our books in order to get the most out of our experience. We will be starting this June 5th, and it will go through August 21st. We know that uh, loving God is the greatest commandment. To really love Him and to know Him is the key to having our lives be directed and empowered by Him. The alternative is to do life by ourselves usually with great frustration and futility. But it's easy to skip over this commandment to love God in the daily grind with our busy schedules. These spiritual disciplines are techniques practiced by Christians throughout the centuries to help their love for God to grow. I've been through this material now a few times, 
And several months ago, I began to get up one hour earlier to increase my quiet time with God, to read and to pray, and to practice some of these disciplines. It has really helped my love for God to be rekindled and start growing again, which had plateaued even without me knowing it. When you spend quality time with God, transformation occurs. I encourage you to consider joining this group, whether you're new to the, new to the faith and in need of guidance, or if you've been around for a while like me and in need of a boost. The disciplines can help you to love God more deeply and grab hold of the abundant life that Christ has promised. Yes, we've named this the Spiritual Transformation Group because really that's what it's all about, um, making ourselves open to the transforming work of God. We're told frequently in the Bible to be transformed by God and to be more like Jesus. So this is a group also because we as leaders, we're also being transformed. We learn so much from the other participants in the group as they share how God is working in their lives. The cost of the books are $20, but FCC is paying half, so it's just $10 for each person. And if you already have your books, then you don't pay anything. We're going to be meeting in the junior high area by the fellowship hall. There will be a sign on the door so you know where to go. Um, we do ask that you f register if you can. We need to know about how many books we need and w the space that we need. But if you don't register, please come anyway. Um, and if you can't make all the sessions, please come anyway. We as leaders will not be at all the sessions either. We're sharing the facilitation of the group. There are registration information in the bulletin and information sheets out at the information desks. Just drop them at the office or in the offering plate. We also have a Facebook page called Spiritual Disciplines, Sacred Rhythms Retreats. You can look at for more information. So call, text, email, or even talk to us in person if you have any questions. And again, FCC is paying half of the cost for the curriculum, but if you um, do not have that, we will pay all of it. We would love to see um, a, a packed classroom this summer. It's a great opportunity beginning June 5th. Uh, two final announcements as we dive into the Word today. Today's the last day for First Kids Youth Groups and Reveal for the school year. It's hard to believe that that time has come to a conclusion. First Kids are going to be at the YMCA from 4.30 to 6.00 for a special fun day. If your child wants to swim, parents need to be, a, a parent needs to be with them in, in order to, to watch them during that time, 4.30 to 6 today. And tonight from 5.30 to 7, Reveal Celebrations takes place in the Cable Building. We do have some opportunities this month beyond just Sunday morning worship for you to be able to grow when it comes to prayer and your understanding of prayer. One is we're bringing back the Wednesday night Bible study for this month. And Samuel's going to be teaching. Samuel's over there. He does a great job teaching 6 to 7 p.m. in the Family Life Center alcove. Come on out and you will be blessed by what you learn. We are doing a prayer gathering Saturday morning. This isn't just an FCC thing. This is a community thing. But we're going to gather outside the safety complex across the street and pray for our law enforcement personnel. That's this Saturday, 10 a.m. Come on out. Two weeks from today, you do not want to miss church. You should never miss church. You especially don't want to miss church two weeks from today. Dr. Neil Wyndham from Lincoln Christian University will be speaking on prayer. We are so blessed to have Dr. Wyndham with us. That's two weeks from today. And then kind of our capstone gathering will be three weeks from tonight at 5.30 p.m. We have our quarterly prayer gathering as a church. And this time it's going to be a prayer walk. 
And so if you're not able to walk very far, your prayer walk will take place in the building, but we're also going to try to saturate our community and pray over our community. And if that sounds like something that you're not really sure what's that about, give it a shot. Come on out and, and, and join us on the prayer walk Sunday, May 22nd, 5.30 p.m. Have you ever prayed a prayer and before the words even left your mouth wondered if it had any chance at all of being answered? Have you ever been there? You prayed the prayer, you knew you should pray the prayer, you knew God probably wanted you to pray the prayer, but as you prayed the prayer, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I don't know if that's going to get answered or not. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of prayers, God, please let the Cubs win the World Series this year, or God, please let me win the lotto on Wednesday night, the the Powerball or whatever. I'm not talking about those kind of prayers, but I'm talking about legitimate prayers that you pray, and yet for whatever reason, before the words have ever even left your mouth, you've thought to yourself, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think God's answering that one. I don't think that's going to play out. Well, if you're there, guess what? You're like most Christians. I really believe that most Christians know they're supposed to pray. I think most Christians take some time praying. But I think if we were being honest, many Christians go into prayer not really convinced that it's going to do any good. And that's why we're taking a month and we're focusing on prayer. That's why we're taking a month and we're reading this book, Extreme Prayer. We want to be stretched. I want you to be stretched. I'm being stretched uh, about prayer. What role should prayer have in the life of this church? What role should prayer have in your individual life, the life of your family? There's a verse of scripture, and I've shared this before. This isn't new, but it's probably been the most helpful verse of scripture for me personally in the last year compared to any verse in the entire Bible. And it's a verse of scripture that the Apostle Paul is talking about challenges that he faced in his life. And he talks about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, receiving this thorn in the flesh. And it's from Satan. And there's a lot of speculation. Is he talking about a person, a messenger from Satan? Is he talking about a condition? Some people think maybe he had epilepsy and it was causing him to to have seizures as he was trying to preach. Some people think maybe he went through a divorce. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what the thorn in the flesh is. But here's what he received from the Lord. It says that Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he shares this verse of scripture right here. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. And man, that goes about 180 degrees against everything we've ever learned about being successful in life. We've learned that strength is what it's all about. And being prepared is what it's all about. And having a game plan is what it's all about. And the Apostle Paul, possibly his ministry philosophy, possibly his ministry motto, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I can't do it anymore, God, you've got to do it. When I am weak, then I am strong. We asked you, if you're reading along in extreme prayer, to read the intro and the first chapter. And if you didn't, that's okay. But if you did... You were probably fascinated by some of what you read. You probably expected to read about a guy like a Greg Pruitt, president of Pioneer Bible Translators, writing a book about how he had it it all put together. He had it all figured out. 
And for those of you that have not had the chance to read, he talks about the fact that his marriage was in trouble. He talks about the fact that his ministry was in trouble. He talks about the fact that PBT, Pioneer Bible Translation, was at a real crossroads. And he had to lean in. This idea of when I am weak, then I am strong. This morning is kind of a, an introduction to this, this whole series. I want to leave you with three realities about prayer. And some of these are not going to be brand new. In fact, all three you may have heard time and time again. But I want it to help us focus our lives this month as a church family, our lives individually, our lives as a family on this idea of prayer and how I really need the Lord. I can't do it by myself. I can't be a lone ranger. I can't go solo. When I am weak, then I am strong. Number one is this, prayer is important. Now that's one of those, well, duh, of course prayer is important. We talk about prayer all the time. We have prayers all the time. Of course prayer is important. But I'm not talking about one of those, oh yeah, prayer is important, but how is prayer important? Does my life look like I'm someone that believes prayer is important? Does your life model someone who says prayer is incredibly important? We had a leadership retreat back in March. Elders and staff gathered at the Kiara Center near Riverton. And one of the exercises that we did as a leadership is we talked about what are our core values? What are our core values and what should be our core values? What should matter most? And we had an exercise where we were able as individuals and then in small groups and then finally as a large group to try to nail down what are some of the core values. And when I was just doing it all by myself and jotting them down, one of the things that I came up that I want to be a core value in my life and I especially want to be a core value in the life of our church is that Clinton FCC will pray unapologetically. We will pray without apology. We may miss some ministry opportunities, but we will pray unapologetically. I may miss some meetings. I may forget some things. I may let some of you down, but I will pray unapologetically. I stand before you today and let you know that one of the things our, our staff has started doing, the ministry staff and the secretaries and the janitors, is, is we stop what we're doing at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and we gather for a half hour and we pray. And we pray for our church, and we pray for healing, and we pray for unity, and we pray for peace, and we pray for opportunities to proclaim the good news. We'd staff people the first week that said, I don't pray out loud. That's not my thing. And we said, it's okay. And if you showed up this Tuesday, every person is praying. Every person's growing when it comes to prayer. I don't say that to, to build us up or to puff us up, but maybe you're that type of person that says, Greg, I'm, I'm not a prayer that's not my thing. You know how it becomes your thing? It's like Nike said, you just do it. You just do it. So we're going to pray unapologetically. What did some of the giants of the faith in the New Testament teach about prayer? And I'm going to try to do this fairly quickly. You may want to go back and spend time in these scriptures this afternoon to look at it a little more thoroughly, but I want to talk about Jesus on prayer, Paul on prayer, Peter on prayer, and James on prayer. What about Jesus in prayer? What comes to mind? Maybe the Lord's Prayer comes to mind. The Lord-led ladies are going through Max Lucado's book on the Lord's Prayer, and it's a good read. Maybe when you think of Jesus in prayer, you think about the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will, God, be done. But that's not where I want to take you. I want to take you to Mark chapter 1 this morning. 
Mark chapter 1 is an interesting chapter because there's all kinds of miracles going on and preaching and lots of good ministry is happening. And in verse 35 we read this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If we got up very early tomorrow while it's still dark, what time is that? Some of you farmers can tell me. Is that like 4.30? I mean, it's early, right? That's what Jesus is doing. He's getting up at 4.30, and he's going off to a solitary place, and he's praying. Let's read on. Verse 36, Simon, who is Peter, and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Translation, what are you doing? We can't find you. Why are you off all by yourself? Verse 37. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Verse 38. To the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Did you see it? Did you catch it? Jesus had to get up all by himself and go off in quiet solitude and pray. In order to be able to do the sermons. In able to be able to do the miracles. He needed to refuel. He needed to make prayer a priority. Peter, Peter's kind of ignorant at this point. He doesn't get it yet. And so he just wants to get to the preaching. He just wants to get to the revivals. He just wants to get to the miracles. He's saying, let's go do something. And if I'm Jesus, I'm rebuking him. But I'm not Jesus. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus says, okay, we'll go. We'll go preach some sermons. We'll go do some miracles. But early in his ministry, Mark chapter 1, Jesus is teaching the priority of prayer. What about the Apostle Paul? Could have cited 25, 30 different scriptures. And next week, I'm going to give you several different teachings by Paul on prayer that I think will prove to be helpful. But I want to just give you one little snapshot. It's Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians. And in chapter 4, there's four chapters. This is the final chapter. He's writing to two women to kind of get their act together. They've been fighting with one another. And I know that never happens at this church, but these two Christian women were going at one another. And he's saying, basically, try to figure it out. Get it together. There's more important things than to be in conflict with one another. And then in verse 4, here's what he writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, here it is, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, be joyful. He says, let gentleness reign. He says, don't be anxious about anything at all. Anybody anxious about anything? But he says, here it is. Give it to God. Give it to the Lord. Give it all to him through prayer and petition. Paul teaching prayer is very important. What about Peter? We talked about Peter earlier and how Peter basically rebuked Jesus for praying. Peter wanted the ministry to take place. Peter wanted the miracles to take place. Peter wanted the preaching to take place. Well, Peter actually lived another 30, 33, 35 years after that encounter with Jesus. And he watched Jesus die on the cross and be buried and raise again, be raised again on the third day, the resurrection. 
And then Peter kind of stepped in uh, when Jesus was in heaven and started doing ministry. And for 30 years, he does ministry. And late in his life, he writes two letters, two epistles to Christians that are scattered all throughout the first century world. And he gives them all kinds of encouragements. Hang in there in the midst of suffering. Be holy as God is holy. Strive for holiness. Live such good lives among the pagans. We looked at that last week. That though they accuse you of being a bad person, they see your good deeds and they glorify God. Look at what he says in 1 Peter 4, 7. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. That's kind of ironic that Peter would say, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Peter was Mr. Roller Coaster. He, he wasn't very clear-minded and self-controlled at times in the Gospels. You know, one moment he's confessing that Jesus is Lord and Savior. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next minute he's denying him three times. One minute he's walking on water. Not long later, he's sinking because of worry. But here's what he says. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Not so you can preach. Not so you can perform great miracles. But be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. 30 years later, 35 years later, Peter gets it. Prayer is important. What about James? James uh, chapter 5. James, I think, is the hardest book in the New Testament to put into practice. It's the most practical book in the New Testament. And, and I, I struggle with the book of James because it's an in-your-face book. It really causes you to, to, to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I really living what I claim to be living? At the end of James chapter 5, here's what he says about prayer. He says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he will be forgiven. James' teaching in the midst of faith without works is dead and the tongue, get it under control, and all these other teachings, he's teaching here that prayer is important. So number one, first thing I want you to grab this morning, prayer is important. Number two, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Let me finish reading James chapter 5. I didn't finish it. We'll put verse 16 up on the screen. Here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I want to go back to my opening question that I had for you. Have you ever prayed a prayer? And before the words even got out of your mouth, you just were kind of convinced that, uh, that it's not going to get answered. Here's what I want to tell you. Every prayer you ever pray, God will answer. God does answer. Even prayers like, God, can the Cubs win the World Series? Even prayers like, God, can I win the lotto? Now, I think a lot of times that answer is no. You, you wouldn't know what to do if you won the lotto. You wouldn't know what to do if some of the things that you think you need, that you really don't need, but you want, you received. God answers every prayer. Sometimes the, the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is, hold on. Sometimes the answer is, wait. God answers every prayer. Prayer is 
powerful. In Acts chapter 16, we see an account that will be familiar to some of you that have been around the church. And if you haven't been around the church, spend some time this afternoon looking at Acts chapter 16. It's the story of the second missionary journey when Paul and Silas, they get to Philippi and uh, they're on their way to pray. It's the story of prayer and demon possession and prison and more prayer and worship and God's power. They're on the way to pray. It's what they did every day. It was just a staple of their life. They're on their way to pray. And there's this slave girl, and she's demon-possessed. But not demon-possessed like you would think about some modern-day horror movie, but demon-possessed in that she can look at your life and predict your future. And so you would go to her and say, hey, bring out the slave girl, and she'd be able to make a prophecy about your life. And the slave owners, guess what they would do? They'd get a lot of money. They'd make a lot of money doing it. It was a very positive thing for the slave owners. Well, this slave girl knows who Paul is and Silas is. And so she's just consistently uh, badgering them, saying, you know, you are followers of the Son Most High. You, you are followers of Jesus Christ. And in Scripture it says that Paul was very troubled. Um, that's a bad translation. What it means is that he was incredibly annoyed and frustrated. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm turning around and I'm saying to her, shut up. Enough already. Well, Paul says, in the name of Jesus Christ, demon come out. And this slave girl that had been possessed for a long time, man, the spirit left her. The demon left her. Good for the girl, bad for who? Bad for the slave owners, right? Their money train is no more. So they do a really honorable thing. They beat them and they, they throw Paul and Silas in prison. Now, if you're Paul and Silas, you've done a good thing. It's a healing. It's a miracle. This girl has been released. She is burdened down no more. And so you might find yourself in jail saying, this isn't fair. Where's the justice in this? This isn't honorable. But verse 25 says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying to the Lord and singing songs of praise. When you find yourself in a modern day jail like this spiritually speaking do you find yourself saying god why me god what are you doing or, or do you pray to the lord a prayer of thanksgiving do you sing praise to the lord oh god you are my god i'll forever praise you well, an incredible thing happens the the, the the other inmates are listening but this earthquake happens and so, you know, the chains are no more and the bars are no more. And the jailer, guess what he's about to do? He's about to take his own life. Because back in those days, there were no unions to protect the soldiers. Basically, you messed up, you died. And this jailer decides, it's better for me to take my own life than to deal with the big dogs. And at that point, Paul and Silas say, don't harm yourself. Really cool rest of the story. We're all here. Guess how the story ends? He is baptized, the entire family is baptized, God is glorified. But that's a story about the power of prayer. And so the next time you find yourself in a storm of life, don't forget, prayer is powerful. Dana, I want you to go all the way to um, active, all the way lined out. We, we have an acronym that is introduced to us in chapter 1, how to pray. And, and we're going to put all six up on the screen right now. It's on page 10 in your book. If you're like many people, you say, I want to be a better prayer, I don't know how to pray. And so follow this acronym, A, adoration. 
C, confession. T, thanksgiving. I, intercession. That's the prayer request time. V, vanquishing Satan. One of the things we get kind of nervous about is when the preacher starts talking about Satan and we start talking about like a supernatural battle and and we think, I'm not sure I really buy that. Um, I do. I've seen it. E, extreme prayer. So if you find yourself saying, I struggle to pray, try this this week. Take a couple minutes and just praise God for being your God. Oh God, you are my God. I'll forever praise you. Confess your sins. No one likes to admit their sins. I don't like to admit when I'm harsh with my son. I don't like to admit when, when, I, when I treat my wife poorly. I don't like to admit when I worry or when I become burdened down by the things of this world. But the cool thing about the Bible is it says that God is faithful and just. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He'll forgive us our sins. So take time and confess thanksgiving thanking god for all you have i intercession god here's what i need v we know there's a supernatural battle god i need you to intercede on my behalf and e extreme prayer we're going to tackle that more in the weeks to come well i said i wanted to give you three important realities and number one is that prayer is important and number two is that prayer is powerful number three might be the most important thing that i'm going to say and it's probably going to be the most challenging for some of us and here's what it is the goal of all of this is to become dependent on prayer to become dependent on prayer and i got to be honest with you i don't want to be dependent on anything i don't I want to have it all figured out. I want to do life all by myself. I mean, you ever been there, guys? You're driving the car, and you can't figure out where you're going, and you don't want your wife helping you, and you don't want Google Maps helping you. You're going to find it out on your own. Can I get an amen? We've been there, right? We don't want to be dependent on anybody. And yet the goal in this is to say, God, I need you when I am weak then I am strong. So several kind of shotgun thoughts as we wrap up today. Number one, embrace the motto of Bill Hybels. He wrote a classic work a couple decades ago. You're too busy not to pray. You're too busy not to pray. This week was just a crazy week. I I finished this sermon this morning. I'm embarrassed to say that. I I I don't like that. I don't sleep well when that's the case. It was literally one thing after another, after another, after another. And in times like that, the tendency is to say, well, I'll pray next week. I'll catch up with it. I'll pray extra long next time. And Heibel says, when you're really busy, you're too busy not to pray. What about Luke chapter 18? Jesus told the parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. And, And I love the contrast here. Jesus talks about the Pharisee being proud and puffed up, and he had it all put together, and he said, hey, God, check me out. And it says that the tax collector came, and he just beat his chest. He said, I'm a sinner in need of grace. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Are you the Pharisee? Or are you the tax collector? God, I got it all together, or when I am weak then I am strong. One of the things in the book that we learned is that PBT, as they were getting ready to try to go to the next level, they came up with a strategy that was way outside the realm of strategies in situations like this. What was their strategy? Prayer. Make prayer the strategy. Marriage is in trouble? Make prayer the strategy. Problems with your kids? Make prayer the strategy. Problems with other Christians? Make prayer the strategy. Unhappy at work? Make prayer the strategy. 
struggling with purpose in life, make prayer the strategy. Dig in. Roll up your sleeves. Become dependent on prayer. Chapter 1 talks about the idea of blank checks. And I have a neighbor that sometimes, she doesn't get out a lot, and sometimes she'll give me a check, and she'll sign her name and nothing else. And that's really dangerous, right? Because I could write Greg Taylor on there and $10,000, all kinds of crazy things. But when you think about it, that's really what prayer is. It's a blank check with God. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you start praying every day, God, I want to be a millionaire, unless you have incredible kingdom motives to give like 95% of that away to ministries, I I don't know that God's going to say, boom, there you go. But multiple times in Scripture, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, and then finally, if you haven't heard it today, let me just be very clear and say, it's really not about you. It's really not about me. When I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, I need you, Lord. Bottom line, and again, all month long, we're going to come back to this. All good prayer begins from a position of weakness. All good prayer begins from a position of weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the chance to, uh, to study prayer. Help us to be people who do more than study prayer. God, stretch us this month. Stretch me this month. Help us to jump outside our comfort zones. Help us to, uh, to jump outside our self-confidence and to truly lean on you. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.